we are in an environment where bucking the norm or talking about things that are outside of the mainstream is not tolerated, and that is very dangerous. Profoundly impactful. Check out this review on beef organs from Heart and Soil Supplements. I'm 33 years old. I always maintained a healthy fit body and eat a very balanced diet. I've only been using this product for a week and have already seen a huge impact in my health. I had severe menstrual cycle problems for the last two years, heavy painful bleeding and constant fatigue, body pain, hormonal imbalance. I saw four doctors and gynecologists in one year. Um, it was getting to the point where I was ready to accept this just might be my future. I did some research outside of what doctors recommended, found the supplement, read the reviews. Within the first week, I was getting out of bed earlier and earlier, sleeping more soundly. I happened to begin in the middle of my period and only had one day of heavy bleeding. The rest was normal for the first time in two years. Fatigue and brain fog is gone. The energy change I'm perceiving is natural, not manic strung out like some supplements. I just feel balanced and normal again. I ran four miles for the first time in months, consistently for five days straight. This sounds silly to people who are healthy, but for me, I was having difficulty climbing stairs. I also noticed a decrease in craving sugary food. I'm not sure if this is related or not. I wanted to express my sincerest gratitude to the company. The supplement has changed my life in a very short time, given me hope for a healthy and awesome 2023. Thank you. I love this stuff, guys. This is why we do what we do at Heart and Soil, getting the nutrients from organs, either fresh or in a desiccated freeze-dried form like we make, will improve your overall health, vitality, and give you more enjoyment of life, which is what life is about. We are doing a free animal-based challenge this month. If you want to get started eating organs and eating an animal-based diet, join us at Heart and Soil at animalbased30.com, and you can find all of our freeze-dried, grass-fed, grass-finished, regeneratively raised supplements packaged in glass, the finest on the planet, at heartandsoil.co. That's why we do what we do, guys, helping you reclaim your birthright to optimal health. On this week's podcast, I'm pushing back directly against claims that some of the things I've said about seed oils on Instagram are misinformation. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen one of the reels that I posted there about how canola oil is made, in which I say that Seed oils like canola oil appear to be pretty harmful for humans. This got flagged by Instagram as partial misinformation, which means that Instagram stops promoting that reel, which had been seen over three and a half million times and was certainly getting a lot of people thinking and getting them curious. But Instagram says no, because the independent fact checkers are saying it's misinformation. So I'm going to look at the independent fact checker article this week and dismantle it piece by piece, showing you guys clear evidence that seed oils are in fact harmful for humans, that canola oil is from a rape plant, which has been hybridized to be low erucic acid, and that this type of censorship is a very dangerous thing for our health environment. Who gets to decide what is medical misinformation? When did it become the state of affairs that if you differ from the mainstream medical perspective, you are deemed misinformation, your content is censored, your content is shadow banned and demoted, and no one sees that. How can we have discourse about different ideas if that becomes the case? And who do we select as the one all-knowing expert that gets to decide who the misinformation is? As you'll hear in this podcast, there's a researcher at Tufts that I take pretty significant issue with. This is the same guy who's behind the food compass guidelines that have recently rated Fruit Loops and Cheerios and Honey Nut Cheerios, above things like ground beef and eggs cooked in butter for nutritional health. Clearly this guy is living in an upside down world. Well, he's one of the people they reference in the AFP fact checker article as an expert saying that seed oils are not harmful for humans at all and citing my reel as misinformation. So buckle up for a seed oil uh, food fight. <laughs> Obviously I've tried to be respectful in this episode as I always try to be, but I'm gonna show you lots of information that seed oils are in fact harmful for humans and that I disagree with this individual's uh, research about seed oils vehemently, and that you should definitely eliminate seed oils from your diet. And the broader point here is that this type of censorship, this type of labeling of misinformation is very dangerous in the medical world. If we are to have interesting discourse about different ideas, and if we are ever going to really find the truth about how humans, how you, how someone else could really be healthy. This is a really important one, guys. I want to give a shout out to the sponsors of this podcast who make it possible. This week, I'm talking about my friend Monsel and his company, sacredhunting.com. This is a really cool podcast sponsor that I'm excited about because getting out into the wilderness and hunting is a profound experience for many of us that has a large activation energy. It's hard to get into that, but I appreciate Monsel and what he's doing. He will teach you the basics of how to track, stalk, kill, and field dress wild game animals, but he adds a ritual Native American component that makes it a real rite of passage 
I've been on two hunts with Monsel. Once I uh, hunted a deer with a bow and another one, I hunted a black buck antelope with a rifle. They were both great. The people that come on these hunts are aligned. The food that Monsel serves is animal-based and high quality, and it's a very impactful, it's a very intentional environment, unlike, I think, most other hunting trips that you're going to go on. So if you want to get into hunting, check this out. Uh, Fundamental Health listeners will save $250 off their hunting trip by mentioning my name. There are two dates set up for uh, followers for Fundamental Health folks, March 16th to 19th, 2023, and April 13th to 16th, 2023. There's five spots on each hunt. So visit sacredhunting.com slash Paul, fill out the two-minute application for an exploratory call. You guys know that I'm a huge fan of microplastic-free sea salt. So I've got to tell you about Kalima sea salt. You can go to drpaulsalt.com to get your free bag. Uh, Humans dump 8 million tons of plastic garbage into the ocean every year, which is crazy and unfortunate because that's where your sea salt comes from. That garbage breaks up into little pieces called microplastics, which can end up in your salt. A new study revealed that 90% of salt tested had microplastics, but not Kalima. I've actually seen the microscopic analysis of Kalima. It's free of ocean-borne microplastics. Customers get their first bag free. It's delicious. It's super crunchy. It's probably my favorite finishing salt ever. It's harvested from the Kalima salt flats in Mexico. So you're supporting local salineros who are hand-harvesting this stuff. It's 100% all-natural, handmade, hand-harvested sea salt. Again, go to drpaulsalt.com to get your free bag of Kalima sea salt. You will love this stuff. I also want to give a shout-out to the sponsor, Let's get checked. They are a sponsor of this podcast. You can find them at trylgc.com front slash Paul Saladino, and you'll get 25% off your blood work order there. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Are you the man that your father was? I've been talking a lot about testosterone recently. Recent studies have shown that men's testosterone levels are dropping substantially since the 1980s, about 1% per year. If you're 30 years old, you could have 30% less testosterone than your dad did when he was this age. Not a good thing. We don't know why this is happening. Probably polyunsaturated fatty acids, microplastics, perfluoroalkylated substances, PFAs. I think if you eat clean, good food, you'll avoid this, but you gotta know what your testosterone is and you gotta check this, which is why Let's Get Checks can help with this. I really appreciate what they're doing. They are doing at-home blood work testing for male hormones that make it easy. So I've done testing from Let's Get Checked at my home. It was super easy. They sent me the tests in a discreet envelope. I had CRP, male hormones, CBC, Chem 7, lipids test. It was really easy. You can collect the blood yourself at home and the results will be available to you online within two to five days. The results are reviewed by a clinician. A member of Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. Uh, they're CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So if you want to test your hormone levels without having to leave your home, visit trylgc.com front slash Paul Saladino. That is P-A-U-L-S-A-L-A-D-I-N-O and get 25% off your test using the code Paul Saladino. All right, guys, thank you to Let's Get Checked. Who gets to decide what is misinformation? This is becoming a really important question and it was made even more relevant to me in the last week when one of my reels on Instagram, which I'll show you, was tagged as partly false. And so it got me thinking, who decides that this reel is partly false and misinformation? It wasn't about any viral things, it was about seed oils. And in the video, I was showing canola oil, and again, I'm gonna play the reel for you. I was showing canola oil, I was talking about how it was made, and I was saying that seed oils are harmful for humans. So in this podcast, I wanted to address this. I want to show you the reel that got tagged for misinformation, or you can listen to the reel if you're listening to this podcast. And then I want to go through the AFP fact check article that they reference when they say it's misinformation. And I'm going to go systematically and address all of the claims they make in that article and talk about why I think they're full of shit and why this is a very dangerous, slippery slope. You guys have heard me talk about seed oils many times, but in this podcast, I'm going to recapitulate much of that. I'm going to talk about, I think, some of the most compelling studies. I'm not going to do a total breakdown about seed oils in this podcast, but I'm going to talk about some of the most compelling studies showing that seed oils look to be very harmful for humans and suggesting that a third party saying that seed oils are not harmful is essentially muzzling me, censoring information that allows for proper, respectful discourse. This is how we all learn. 
if it gets to a point on social media, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or wherever, where we are only allowed to talk about medical information or nutritional information in a way that aligns with the mainstream narrative, we have come to a very, very dark place. And getting a reel on Instagram talking about seed oils labeled as partly false is, is dangerous. I think that it's a step in that direction. Who gets to decide this? So let's dig in and I will talk about seed oils. I'll talk about how they're harmful. I'll talk about evidence that corroborates everything I said in that video on Instagram. And I will talk about why the claims that are being noted in the fact check article are actually true. And then in the fact check article, they're referencing a few people as their experts who say that seed oils are beneficial for humans. And I will talk about studies that those people have done. Specifically, I'm referring to Dariush Mazafarian. He is the Dean of Nutrition at Tufts uh, University School of Nutrition or something. And he, along with Walter Willett and Frank Hugh, are really the biggest voices in the nutrition space now because Frank Hugh and Walter Willett are at Harvard and Dariush Mazafarian is at Tufts. And these guys are essentially making nutrition policy. As you'll learn in this podcast, uh, a lot of the studies that they're connected with are funded by Unilever, which used to be the single greatest purveyor of seed oils in the country. And these guys tend to have uh, a party line. They tend to be along plant-based vegan lines. And so many of the studies they're doing are excluding important studies that might be contradictory to the point they're trying to prove. You'll see that. At the end of the podcast, I will show you a 2009 meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials looking at polyunsaturated fatty acids done by Dariush Mazafarian, which excludes the uh, randomized controlled trials done in the 60s and 70s, specifically Minnesota Coronary and Sydney Diet Heart, which found that seed oils were harmful for humans. So there is this perspective in nutritional science that we need to go by this pyramid of evidence. There is a hierarchy of evidence and meta-analyses of randomized controlled trials are the gold standard, except when the person doing the meta-analysis can conveniently exclude trials whose conclusions go against their party line. So we'll get to all of that in this podcast. The overarching message is that we all need to be humble. We're learning and open debate, open discussion, open respectful discussion is how we all learn. If that goes away, we're in a very dangerous place. And I hope that these important nutritional conversations with conflicting views can continue to happen because they are nuanced and it is dangerous for platforms like Instagram or any other platform to say, this is partly false based on what? So this is a screen share of my Instagram. If you're watching on uh, YouTube, this is the real. Canola oil is toxic. Here's how it's made. It starts with this. So at this point, all I've said is canola oil is toxic <laughs> and I show you how it's made. It starts with the seeds of a rape plant, which are completely toxic to humans. In order to make canola oil, these plants. This is true. The seeds of a rape plant are toxic to humans. They have to be lowered in erucic acid, which I'm gonna say right now. These plants must be specially bred to lower the levels of erucic acid, a toxic fatty acid strongly associated with heart lesions. These seeds are then ground at high temperatures to extract the fragile oil, which is inevitably oxidized because of this harsh process. This oil must- Nothing crazy so far. You take rape seeds from a low erucic acid canola plant, the name canola is an acronym for Canadian oil low acid. There's no such thing as a canola plant that was made up by the Canola Association a few decades ago when they took these rapeseed plants and decided to make them into an oil. Previously, these type of things were used as machine lubricants. Canola is not a plant. Rapeseeds are a plant, but that plant has never been food for humans. You must genetically breed that plant to have lower levels of a monounsaturated fatty acid called erucic acid, which is pretty strongly correlated with harmful heart lesions, look up Keshen's disease in humans. And so canola is a special variety of rapeseed with low erucic acid, erucic acid being a harmful thing for humans. If we have to take erucic acid out of a plant, why are we making oil out of that plant in the first place? And when you grind it up and heat it, it's going to become oxidized. I will show you evidence later in this podcast that canola oil contains between 1.9 and 3.6% trans fatty acids, which are formed in the process of heating and hydrogenation and oxidation. And this is a pretty significant level. As I've spoken about on social media, when oils like canola or soybean oil say zero trans fat, that is not true. Manufacturers can technically say that if they have less than 0.5 grams of trans fat per serving. Well, a serving of oil is usually only 14 grams, a tablespoon, maybe even a teaspoon. So if there's less than 0.5 grams 
per 14 grams, then they can say it's zero trans fat. But if the oil is 1.9 to 3.6% trans fatty acids, they're actually getting pretty close to that threshold, though they're not exceeding it. But do you want to eat an oil that's 1.9 to 3.6% trans fatty acids? Definitely not if those are trans fatty acids from vegetables. I'll pause here for one moment and say there are trans fatty acids in animal foods. Conjugated linoleic acid, a completely different trans fat than you will find when linoleic acid becomes a trans fat in the heating process. So conjugated linoleic acid is a different fatty acid. It depends on where the trans uh, hydrogen atoms are in the molecule. Conjugated linoleic acid and other trans fatty acids in animal foods have actually been associated with health improvements. While we know very clearly, I don't think anyone would debate this, and in fact, Ansel Keys himself was the one who discovered that trans fatty acids raise LDL and further research, not necessarily by him, but by others, clearly strongly associated trans fatty acids from vegetable and plant oils with severely bad health outcomes. It appears that trans fatty acids formed from the hydrogenation, the heating of polyunsaturated vegetable oils inhibit process cyclins and promote thromboxane in the clotting process, being pro-clotting and anti-thrombolytics making it more likely that you will clot. Well, that sounds like a bad thing. So let's continue on this reel. This oil must then be washed with solvents like hexane, a known neurological toxin. Then it must- Hexane is a known neurological toxin. It appears that the amount of hexane in canola oil is about eight parts per million. Now, it's debatable whether this is something that is going to impact humans negatively, but do you want you or your kids or your family ingesting significant known amounts of hexane, a known neurological toxin, if you can avoid it. There are so many toxins we come in contact in our environment that we can't avoid. Why would you knowingly eat an oil that is refined, bleached, and deodorized, and all the seed oils are like this, whether it's canola or soybean or any of these oils, that has hexane? And we can debate all day back and forth whether that's a significant amount of hexane, but I don't want any excess hexane in my diet. Then it must be processed with bleaching and deodorization so it doesn't smell rancid like it really is. After all of these steps, the canola oil is left oxidized, contaminated with solvents, and containing significant levels of trans fatty acids. As I said, I'm gonna show you evidence later in this podcast that the significant levels of trans fatty acids in canola oil are 1.9 to 3.6%. That's a significant amount of trans fatty acids. And this oil is marketed to you as healthy by the American Heart Association and found in so many of our foodstuffs today. If you wanna be healthy. That's true. The American Heart Association gives canola oil its little check mark, which uh, is essentially the American Heart Association seal of approval. Manufacturers must pay for that, which is a whole different discussion and a whole different bag of worms about corruption with the AHA and the millions of dollars that they have gained by putting these hardly heart labels on foods and who decides what's heart healthy. I don't know, if it lowers LDL, it's heart healthy, even as you'll see later in this podcast, if in lowering that LDL, it increases death, like the Minnesota coronary study found, or it increases things like oxidized LDL and LP little a. If you wanna be healthy, get this damaged oil out of your diet completely. Canola oil. So you can see, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, that this is partly false information reviewed by fact checkers in another post. And I'm gonna to go to the actual fact check post in a moment, and we are going to fact check the fact checkers. So that was the real. And um, again, who gets to decide that anything I said in there was misinformation? It's pretty well known that when a post on Instagram gets labeled as partly false, they're gonna stop promoting it. The how canola oil is made reel that I had done was one of the best performing reels I had put out in many months. It had over 3.7 million views and over 90,000 likes. I think there were thousands of comments on that reel. So when the fact checkers put on a fact check notice on there, Instagram probably stops promoting it completely and no one is gonna see that anymore. So what I believe was very valuable information about the damages of canola oil, Instagram says, nope, no one else is gonna see this. And that I think is a very dangerous thing. So let's go to the actual AFP. I guess AFP is an organization that does fact checking. The fact check article that they used to put the misinformation label on my Instagram post. So here's the AFP fact check article. Um, you can see it on the Instagram post if you want. It's, it looks like it's 333B473 if you actually wanna look up the post. 
And they say, posts mislead on the health effects of seed oils. So let's see, shall we, what the fact checkers, um, this is written by Rob Lever, I have no idea who that is, um, decide is truth or fact or false about seed oils. So I will read this. Those of you who are watching on YouTube, I apologize. I want those who are just listening to get a sense of what it says. It says, blogs and social media posts claim many vegetable oils, such as those made from sunflower and canola, can promote inflammation that leads to heart disease and other ailments. This is misleading, according to AFP Fact Check. Uh, but in this podcast, I will show you multiple peer-reviewed, randomized controlled trials that show that seed oils do some really nasty things like increasing lipid peroxidation, oxidized LDL, LP little a, and LPPLA2. I don't think any cardiologist on the planet would argue that if you're doing those things, that that is going to lead to heart disease. So who's fact-checking the fact-checkers here? Uh, and regardless, AFP fact-check says this is misleading. Health experts, I don't know, well, I do know what health experts they're talking about, and we'll, we'll get back into Darius Mazafarian. Health experts say consumption of seed oils can be beneficial if not included in highly processed foods. I'm not exactly sure how highly processed foods versus non-highly processed foods is gonna change the way seed oils work in your body, considering that seed oils themselves are highly processed. Uh, I don't know, you can put seed oils into a highly processed food, but what's a highly processed food? Are potato chips highly processed? Uh, what about uh, saute at your local restaurant cooked in seed oils? That's not bad for you, but potato chips are, they're using the same seed oils. What about a salad dressing with seed oils? Is that highly processed? So uh, I think this is kind of hand-waving voodoo uh, to kind of hedge their bets and say, oh, seed oils are fine for you if they're not in highly processed foods. What is What are highly processed foods? Um, the consumption of seed oils has jumped along with rates of chronic illness, infertility, and obesity, says a November 30th, 2022 Instagram post. That's not my post, but um, that's an association and that's, that's a true thing. Um, they say in an Instagram video published November 25th, the narrator says these vegetable oils, also called seed oils, they get stuck in your cell membranes in body fat for two to five years. Similar claims were made on TikTok. I don't know if these fact checkers are debating the claim that seed oils get stuck in our cell membranes for two to five years, or they're just saying that people are stating that online, but um, they're the best evidence we have regarding the pharmacokinetics of polyunsaturated fatty acids suggests that their half-life is 680 days. Well, four and a half half-lives to get rid of something if you take in pharmacology, that's a pretty significant amount of time. That sounds like about two to five years that a molecule of linoleic acid that you would get from anywhere and you're gonna get more of from a seed oil could get stuck in your cell membrane. One thing that is not debatable is that polyunsaturated fatty acids get stored in your body. Your body can interconvert saturated and monounsaturated fats so we can get rid of saturated or mono and shift but we can't get rid of polyunsaturated fats through any sort of enzymatic process. They are stored in your body and then slowly uh, get removed from the cell membranes based on the flux of fats that you're taking into your body. So papers regarding the half-life of polyunsaturated fats in the human body are few and far between, but this is the best one I could find. Composition of lipids in human serum and adipose tissue during prolonged feeding uh, of a diet high in unsaturated fat. And you can see here um, that based on their adipose tissue linoleic acid rise in men on the experimental diet, from 11% of total fatty acids to uh, 32% at five years, they could fit to an exponential function with a half-life of 680 days. So this is probably the best and one of the only pieces of evidence we have looking at the actual pharmacokinetics of polyunsaturated fatty acids, and it says exactly <laughs> what the person was saying on TikTok or Instagram that the fact check article seems to be dubious of. So I'm not sure where I submit a complaint to fact check the fact checkers. Going back to the fact check article, they're saying the post references comments from physician Kate Shanahan. Sure, um, I think that Kate's work is great and probably based on science. They say some posts have linked seed oils to an array of diseases and ailments, including cancer, diabetes, asthma, and arthritis. I think that these are linked. <laughs> seed oils are definitely linked to these diseases. Uh, that is a term that is used very often in medical science. Linked means associated. and. Well, it is true. You can find many uh, studies that link the consumption of seed oils to these things and the temporal association of increased seed oil consumption with a significant rise in obesity, asthma, diabetes, chronic illness is real. So um, it's, it's not, you can't really argue that seed oils appear to be linked to these things. Other posts recommend replacing seed oils with animal fats or other plant oils. Well, that's absolutely true. And I think that that's, totally reasonable. This AFP fact check article seems to be 
uh, saying in, seems to be insinuating in some way that replacing seed oils with animal fats could never be good for humans. In fact, that's the position I would take in, in total, that it's much better to replace seed oils with animal fats, which are much lower in linoleic acid. So here we're starting to get interesting. Medical experts say all fats are high in calories, should be consumed in moderation, but claims that vegetable and seed oils are harmful are misleading. I'm not sure how these posts are misleading, <laughs> and I will corroborate that statement in a moment. So um, let's just talk about some pretty significant evidence that I've seen that seed oils are harmful for humans. And again, the framework of this whole conversation is the concern that just because the people who wrote this fact check article decided to talk to Darius Mazafarian, and he says that seed oils are beneficial for humans and these claims are misleading, they are. And we don't get to have any discussion about it. Instagram will censor the post, stop promoting it, and we don't have any ability to have discussions about contentious or interesting topics on Instagram. So seed oils, harmful. Let's talk about that. For those of you listening, I will issue a slight warning. We're about to get kind of technical. I'm gonna show a bunch of articles, but this is my assertion that there is plenty of evidence that seed oils are going to increase your risk of cardiovascular disease as the post kind of poo-pooed in the beginning of this AFP fact check post. And I will show you many of those articles now. So let's start with this study first. The title is Effects of an Oleate-Rich and Linoleate-Rich Diet on the Susceptibility of Low-Density Lipoprotein to oxidative modification in mildly hypercholesterolemic subjects. Basically, they're saying, we're either gonna feed people olive oil or oils that are high in oleic acid, or we're gonna feed them seed oils high in linoleic acid and see how fragile their LDL is. See how susceptible to oxidation their LDL particle is. It is pretty well established within cardiovascular medicine, Western medicine in general, that if your LDL is oxidized, that is a major risk factor, perhaps causative of atherosclerosis in the atherosclerotic process, as I will show in this podcast. Uh, macrophages don't take up native LDL. They only ingest oxidized LDL in the subendothelial space. So having oxidized LDL is bad. Having LDL that is more likely to be oxidized is really bad. And imagine this. So this was an eight-week diet, and what they found is noted here, that LDL oxidation is altered by adding polyunsaturated fats. Substitution of monounsaturated rather than polyunsaturated fats for saturated fats in the diet might be preferable for the prevention of atherosclerosis, meaning that, as you see here, LDL isolated from subjects on the oleic acid diet was less susceptible to copper-mediated oxidation as measured by conjugated dienes and lipid peroxidation formation and less susceptible to LDL protein modification as evidenced by reduced LDL macrophage degradation after copper or endothelial cell oxidation. So when you give people more polyunsaturated fats, their LDL is more likely to be oxidized both in vitro and in vivo models. And there are so many studies which continue to show the same thing. I'll keep showing you these. How about another one? Changes in dietary fat intake alter plasma levels of oxidized LDL and LP little a. LP little a is a very known strong risk factor for cardiovascular disease. In this study, 37 healthy women fed two diets. The saturated fat intake was decreased from 28 grams to 20 grams. And the amount of polyunsaturated fat was increased from 11 grams to 13 or 19 grams. And what did they find? <laughs> the amount of oxidized LDL in the plasma went up <laughs> when you do that. When you have less saturated fat and more polyunsaturated fats, the oxidized LDL goes up. So the median plasma oxidized LDL increased by 27% in response to the low-fat, low-vegetable diet and 19% in response to the low-fat, high-vegetable diet also, the LP little a concentration was increased by 7% and 9% respectively. They're saying the low-fat diet in respect to lower saturated fat, but as you see here, they are increasing the polyunsaturated fat. So solid evidence that increasing polyunsaturated fat, lowering saturated fat, causes more oxidized LDL. Yet another one, dietary intakes of polyunsaturated fatty acids and indices of oxidative stress in human volunteers. This is a four-week study, 10 healthy non-smoking male volunteers. Study indicates that although dietary levels of polyunsaturated fatty acids may favorably alter cholesterol profiles, meaning that we know that polyunsaturated fats lower cholesterol, which isn't a good thing, hold please for the Minnesota coronary study, as I'll talk about later in the study, the same dietary changes may adversely affect some indices of lipid peroxidation. 
Care should be taken when providing dietary advice on PUFA intake and adequate intake of antioxidants to match any increased PUFA may be important for preventing oxidative stress. Tell me again, fact checkers, about how polyunsaturated fatty acids are healthy for humans. Let's keep going. Impact of eight-week linoleic acid intake in soy oil on LPPLA2 activity in healthy adults. LPPLA2 is lipoprotein phospholipase A2, generally regarded as an indicator of endothelial inflammation, in quotation marks, endothelial damage, endothelial remodeling. When you see something raise LPPLA2, it's not a good thing. And can you guess what happened in this study? An increase in plasma linoleic acid following intake of soybean oil, independently associated with LPPLA2 activity, which was also related to ApoB, OxLDL, and CEPICT, which is collagen epinephrine closure time, an indicator of endothelial function. So yet another study says that soybean oil, just given to people, not in processed foods, soybean oil given to people, as the uh, authors of the AFP fact check and experts would say, that's healthy, increases the um, CEPICT, which is a indicator of endothelial function, meaning it's getting worse, you're getting more oxidized LDL, and you're getting an increase in LPPLA2, which cannot possibly be a good thing. But wait, there's more. The effects of diets rich in monounsaturated fatty acids on plasma lipoproteins, the Jerusalem Nutrition Study, high MUFAs, monounsaturated fatty acids, versus high PUFAs, polyunsaturated fatty acids. It's 26 uh, students randomly assigned to a 24-week crossover study. Again, all of the studies I have shown you are randomized, controlled study. There was a significantly higher tendency toward lipid peroxidation on the PUFA diet, as ascertained by more thiobarbituric acid reactive substances formations on the diet. Dietary PUFA results in somewhat lower total cholesterol and LDLC. No surprise there. We've seen that many times. Whereas with the monounsaturated fat, the susceptibility of LDL to oxidative stress is lower. So... Again, let's recall the whole point of that little excursion. Experts say that seed oils, not in processed foods, are healthy. And at the beginning of the AFP fact check article, which I can bring back up, they poo-poo the notion that seed oils are connected with heart disease. In case you forgot about that, consider this again right here. Blog and social media posts claim many vegetable oils, such as those from sunflower and canola, can promote inflammation that leads to heart disease and other ailments. Uh, yeah, I would say that oxidized LDL, LP little a, thiobarbituric acid or T-bar substances, CEPICT, all of those are in some ways inflammatory and promote heart disease. So yeah, before we go any further, I just want to address the idea that seed oils lower LDL. If you're curious about LDL, listen to the many podcasts I've done on low-density lipoprotein. LDL by itself is a horrible metric as a predictor of cardiovascular disease. And we know that oxidized LDL, LP little a, are much, much better metrics. And I will show you evidence to support that in one moment. LDL by itself is a piss poor predictor of cardiovascular disease. There is a model called the homeobiscus model in which having more polyunsaturated fatty acids in the human body probably changes the structure of the membrane leading to lower amounts of cholesterol in the blood. Conversely, Having more saturated fat in your diet means more saturated fats in your membranes. And remember that saturated fats are gonna populate phospholipids with two straight tails, while a polyunsaturated fat will populate a phospholipid with a kink tail, which makes the membrane more fluid. In a saturated fat-rich diet, according to the homeoviscus model, there's probably going to be more cholesterol in the blood because of the body's intention to keep the membrane at the same level of fluidity so that your cells are not too stiff and they're not too jelly and they don't fall apart. So there are many physiologic reasons that are not pathological by which eating more saturated fat and less polyunsaturated fat may raise your LDL. But to say that that is increasing your risk of cardiovascular disease is kind of frustrating because as I've shown many times, there are much, much better predictors of cardiovascular disease and LDL by itself is horrible. What about your fasting insulin? What about your fasting blood glucose? What about your glycemic excursions or your glucose variability? What about your HSCRP? What about all sorts of other inflammatory metrics. These are much better predictors than simply looking at LDL, which by itself is again, very poor predictor because someone with a slightly higher LDL who is insulin sensitive does not increase their risk of cardiovascular disease. This has been shown many times that if you look at people who have moderately elevated LDL along with moderately elevated HDL, generally thought of as a good cholesterol, but that's an oversimplification and low triglycerides, that LDL does not have any correlation with higher rates of cardiovascular disease, or the correlation is significantly attenuated. I've spoken about this at length 
LDL means nothing outside of context. I have people, friends all the time, send me their lipids and say, my LDL went up. And I say, I don't care. What's your fasting insulin? If you're eating more saturated fat and less polyunsaturated fat, your LDL very well may go up, but you're likely going to be much more insulin sensitive. And that is where I think mainstream medicine misses the boat. At this point, I've talked about a number of complicated lipid parameters that I want to backtrack and make sure everyone understands. The first thing that I want to point out to you is shown in this study, which is perhaps one of the most important points of this podcast. Binding sites on macrophages that mediate uptake and degradation of acetylated low-density lipoprotein producing massive cholesterol deposition. It's a complicated study. What does it say? It says that if you give a macrophage a native LDL molecule, this is a low-density lipoprotein molecule, which is a phospholipid monolayer that has proteins in the outside. So imagine a balloon with proteins stuck in the membrane. It's like a bus moving triglycerides and cholesterol around your body. If you give a macrophage that, the macrophage, which is an immune cell that resides below the endothelium inside of your blood vessels and is responsible for sort of the beginning histopathology of an endothelial lesion or a fatty streak leading to atherosclerosis, the macrophage will not take that LDL up. That LDL must be oxidized to be taken up by the macrophage. Well, what have we just spent the last 30 minutes talking about? When you eat more linoleic acid, your LDL is much more likely to become oxidized. Do we think that could be an increased risk of cardiovascular disease? Is there any real cogent argument we could make by which that would not be an increased risk of cardiovascular disease? I'll let you guys decide, but check out this paper by Goldstein and others showing that only oxidized LDL gets taken up by the macrophages. Let's keep going, talking about oxidized LDL. Plasma oxidized low-density protein, a strong predictor of acute coronary heart disease events in apparently healthy middle-aged men from the general population, elevated concentrations of oxidized LDL, I'm reading from the conclusions now, are predictive of future CHD events, coronary heart disease events in apparently healthy men. Thus, oxidized LDL may represent a promising risk marker for clinical coronary heart disease complications should be evaluated in further studies. If you want to measure your oxidized LDL, what I would recommend is talking to your doctor and having them order a test through a company called Boston Heart. I have no association. This is the only company I'm aware of that does the test. It's called oxidized phospholipids on ApoB. A regular oxidized LDL test is not a good test for oxidized LDL because it is a Boolean assay. It is using a monoclonal antibody, which if it sees one or two phospholipids on the LDL, they're oxidized, it will come up as positive. Boolean means one or zero, it means true or false. Oxidized phospholipids on ApoB from Boston Heart gives you a much more accurate assay of the percentage of the phospholipids on any LDL particle that are oxidized. And I would love to do a study with this, although I don't know if an IRB would approve it, but have two groups of people and take their LDL oxidized phospholipids ApoB at baseline, give one group saturated fat, give one group linoleic acid containing seed oils, and see what happens at the end of the trial. We probably will do something like this in the future through the Animal-Based Nutrition Research Foundation. It's a nonprofit that I've built because I want to do some of these studies. It's hard to build a nonprofit. We're working on funding. You can find us at abnrf.org if you want to check it out, but only if you're interested. Stay tuned for more research from the ABNRF, but that's potentially in the works in the future. But I think that doing a study like that would be very interesting to compare saturated fat feeding again, changing no variables versus seed oil feeding and looking at oxidized LDL in real time in these people. Although it's already been done in these studies, we essentially know what's going to happen. And if you're interested in LP little a, here's a great paper from Sam Samikas, low-density lipoprotein, cholesterol corrected for LP little a cholesterol, risk thresholds, and cardiovascular events. The conclusions are that LDLSC was associated with incident cardiovascular disease only when LP little a cholesterol content was included in the measurement. So they're saying that if you correct LDL for LP little a, it's not even a risk factor for cardiovascular disease anymore. What is LP little a? It's essentially a marker of oxidized LDL, more or less. It's a little more complicated, but LP little a appears to be a subfraction of LDL with a little apoliprotein little a on it that mops up oxidized lipids. It's complicated. We don't fully understand it, but when you correct LDL for LP little a, the risk goes away. LP little a is a huge risk for incident cardiovascular disease. And what did I show you guys? I showed you multiple studies that show that lipid peroxidation increases and a study that specifically measured LP little a with increased polyunsaturated fats and lowering saturated fats. And what happened? LP little a went up. Do we really think that seed oils are not harmful anymore, guys? 
And yet this is what is happening with fact checkers that are independent, but are consulting experts that we'll get to in a moment that believe seed oils are healthy and they have the final word and then posts that could educate people like the post they did on canola oil that could significantly improve lives are being downgraded, shadow banned, or censored by Instagram. I mean, we know this. I think Instagram would clearly say in its terms of service that if your reel gets a partially false information tag, they're not going to promote it because they believe it's false information. It's just the bots. It's what they're doing. So that's not a controversial statement to make. You guys have probably all heard enough of this by now, but let me just say a few more things uh, in conclusion that I think are really important and then talk a little bit about um, some of the people who appear to be behind um, advancing the narrative that seed oils are helpful in humans and why um, the research that they've published may not be something to take without careful consideration. So let's go back to the AFP fact check article. So they say canola oil differs from rapeseed oil. Many of the claims misrepresent canola oil and how it's produced. I spoke about this in the beginning of the video. We don't have to dwell on it. Uh, basically, canola oil is from a rape plant. They say canola is a variety of rapeseed developed in Canada with low levels of erucic acid. That's true. I don't know why you'd want to eat oil from a plant that you have to lower the erucic acid from in the first place, but who knows? Um, now, in 2018, the FDA allowed the manufacturer of canola, sunflower, and olive oil to make the qualified health claim that consuming oleic acid and edible oils may reduce the risk of coronary heart disease. Uh, considering that sunflower oil is over 50% linoleic acid, I'm not sure how they get away with making a claim that oleic acid is beneficial. And I think that oleic acid has really only been shown to be beneficial when it's substituted for polyunsaturated fats. You're always going to get oleic acid in, in animal fats, so don't worry about that one. Seed oil risks are exaggerated, says the AFP fact check. Well, if you listen to any of the things that I've said so far, I think that there's a significant amount of evidence to say that they are harmful for humans. The AFP fact-checking saying they're exaggerated means that at least the AFP fact-check says there's maybe some risk. Health experts say most commercially available seed oils can be beneficial <laughs> if they're not consumed as part of a highly processed packaged food and snacks. Again, I don't know why that has any bearing on this because they're going to be processed no matter what you do. A 2009 study in the journal Circulation found that people who consume between 5 and 10% of their caloric intake from polyunsaturated fatty acids, the main element of seed oils, had a lower risk of cardiovascular disease. Oh, did it. Let's look at that 2009 study from the Journal of Circulation, shall we? And as you'll see here, yes, Darius Mazafarian is the first author on the study. They quote him saying that um, seed oils come from nuts, seeds, and beans, which are some of the healthiest foods on the planet. Uh, when humans eat these oils, their risk factors get better. They have fewer heart attacks. They have less weight gain. They are healthier than those who use other kinds of cooking fats. He added that while industrial processing destroys some of the beneficial properties of seed oils, I'm not sure what the beneficial properties of seed oils are, uh, doesn't mean they're unhealthy. It means they would be healthier otherwise. That sounds like hand-waving voodoo to me, but I want to talk about for a minute about Darius Mazafarian. And I don't like to call people out unless it's egregious. And I think in this case, it is egregious and we have to talk about it. If you want to know who this guy is, again, he's at Tufts, he's the chair of nutrition there, and he was behind the 2018 Food Compass Guidelines. If you guys are not familiar with these, look these up. I did a reel on Instagram on these. These ranked foods according to a metric looking at the overall quality of the food and the nutritional promoting qualities. On the Food Compass Guidelines, chaired by this guy, frosted mini-wheats were at the top. They perhaps were not the best food, but they were pretty high. They were far above things like an egg cooked in butter and ground beef. Anyone that devises a system that is going to rank frosted mini wheats, Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, uh, egg substitute with seed oils above a real egg cooked in butter and ground beef, and not just above them, but far above them, we have massive differences in the way we see the nutrition landscape. And those type of conversations need to happen. Those conversations need to not be swept into the rug with a pithy, partly false misinformation tag on Instagram. Uh, we need to have some serious conversations with people who believe this and ask them in a respectful way how they can make claims that seed oils are healthy for humans in light of all the evidence I shared, which is just the tip of the iceberg. So let's look at the 2009 study from Dariush Mazafarian that people will say proves so well that seed oils are healthy for humans. So let's look at the 2009 paper cited in the fact check article and another 2009 paper from Dariush Mazafarian stating that seed oils are beneficial for humans. Let's start with this one. The effects on coronary heart disease of increasing polyunsaturated fat in place of saturated fat, a systematic review of and meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. So this looks like a good title until you realize that what he's done is conflate omega-3 with omega-6. So we've lumped, he's lumped studies looking at 
omega-3 fats with omega-6 fats, which are totally different fats in human physiology. So right from the get-go, you have something that is quite misleading regarding polyunsaturated fat and the distinction between omega-3 and omega-6. There are some studies that show that omega-3 fats are helpful for humans. There are also studies suggesting that long-term supplementation with fish oil leads to increased rates of cancer and uh, potentially there are, there are also studies suggesting that long-term supplementation with omega-3 fatty acids leads to significantly increased rates of atrial fibrillation and other cardiac arrhythmias, um, but I'm not going to do a podcast on omega-3s right now. I just want to point out that in this study, which is often cited as suggesting, which is often cited as corroborating the notion that seed oils are healthy for humans, they're conflating omega-3 with omega-6 and including many trials in their analysis that are omega-3 rather than omega-6. Furthermore, if you look at the list of excluded studies from this meta-analysis, conveniently, Darius Mazafarian and his group have excluded randomized controlled trials from the 60s and 70s, specifically the Minnesota Coronary Trial and the Sydney Diet Heart Trial, which showed <laughs> worsening rates of coronary artery disease, coronary events, and death when you had more seed oils in the diet. So say what you will about all these trials. As you'll see from the second article in circulation, there gets to be a lot of argument about which trials are valid regarding randomized controlled trials for seed oils and which trials are invalid. But there do exist randomized controlled trials that are well done from the 60s and 70s, showing that increased rates of consumption of seed oils lead to worsening death in the Minnesota coronary trial and worsening rates of coronary artery disease in Sydney diet heart. And those are conveniently left out of Darius Mazafarian's meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. If you would like to see the trials excluded from his meta-analysis, you can find this list of the 46 excluded trials uh, in the supplemental materials for his 2009 paper. But in this are included the original Sydney diet heart and Minnesota coronary trial. Now, what's interesting is that after that paper in 2009 was published, and again, both of the papers here are published in 2009, there's been nothing published since then, Chris Ramsden at the NIH published two papers with reanalysis of the data from City Diet Heart and the Minnesota Coronary Trial. And these are really important to not ignore because as Chris says in these trials, the reanalysis doesn't look very good. If you don't know the story, <laughs> Ansel Keys was part of the Minnesota Coronary Trial uh, Minnesota coronary experiment team, but his name was not included on the findings because they didn't support his ideology. And they were partially published long after the actual trial. And then Chris Ramson and his team actually found the son of one of the original investigators. And they found microfilm tapes in his basement, which they analyzed in the 2018 or 2015 or something. And they had a whole study that wasn't published. So they found this hidden data that they were able to republish regarding Minnesota coronary and Sydney diet heart trials. I think these two randomized controlled trials are important not to ignore. Let's start with Minnesota coronary. Again, you can see Chris Ramsden is the first author and this one was published in 2016. So neither of these 2009 articles that are cited in this expert review, which was just written, <laughs> accounted for the fact that there's a 2016 paper and another 2018 paper from Chris Ramsden looking at the reanalysis of Minnesota coronary and Sydney Diet Heart. In short, this was a five-year trial with over 9,000 patients, and it showed that when you give people more linoleic acid-rich vegetable oil, their cholesterol goes down. But there was a 22% higher risk of death for each 30 milligrams per deciliter reduction in serum cholesterol in the covariate-adjusted Cox regression models. Oh, well, that's not very convenient, is it? How do we hide that? Well, we just exclude that study for some reason from Mazafarian's 2009 meta-analysis of the RCTs. And if you look in this paper, you can see both the Kaplan-Meier curves, looking at the survival of people, and especially those above 65 fare very poorly, and the women look like they're faring even more poorly than the men in terms of increased rates of death as the cholesterol is decreased. Now, interestingly, in this paper, Chris Ramsden has done a great thing and done a, a kind of revised forest plot of the trials looking at seed oils. And you can see here the Minnesota coronary, Sydney diet heart. This is the Rose corn oil trial, the LA veterans trial, MRC soy. And actually, according to this reanalysis, the overall hazard ratio looks like seed oils are harmful. So if we look at the best randomized controlled trials we have for seed oils, they don't look very good. Now, there are methodological problems with perhaps every single one of these trials and 
Anytime that I get into a disagreement with someone online about seed oils, they, we will go back and forth about whether Minnesota coronary is reasonable, Sydney diet heart is reasonable. What I do know <laughs> is that the LA Veterans Administration trial had significantly more smokers in the control group, which um, had less seed oils and more saturated fat. So that's going to confound things because smokers are more likely to have negative cardiovascular events. And there are other trials. The Oslo Diet Heart trial had similar problems. If you do the research and you really look at these trials, and I don't want to get that granular in this podcast, maybe I will in the future in a respectful debate with someone who disagrees with what I'm saying, the Oslo Diet Heart, the Finnish Health Study, the LA Veterans Study, all of the studies that show in the interventional context that seed oils are beneficial for humans had some pretty serious methodological flaws. Now, to be fair, critics of what I'm saying will point out that Minnesota coronary had methodological flaws, to which I would say, yes, the patients in Minnesota coronary, over 9,000 of them did go in and out of the hospital, but there were still a significant number who were in the hospital for a sustained amount of time. People will also look at Minnesota coronary and Sydney diet heart and say the margarine used had trans fats, suggesting that the seed oil group was getting more margarine or it had more trans fats, and that's why it looked bad. Well, this doesn't really hold up to careful consideration because what Ansel Keys knew and what we know very clearly is that when you have trans fats, your LDL goes up. But as you see from the Minnesota coronary study results, the LDL goes down in the people who are getting the vegetable oil group. So how could there be a significant amount of trans fats in their food, enough to make it invalid, enough to make their increased rates of death invalid relative to the saturated fat group who was almost certainly eating the same trans fat laden margarine um, in, the, in the trial? How is there enough there if their LDL went down? So there's a lot of problems. And again, we get into kind of like a high school cafeteria food fight about all of this, but I think that uh, it's important to point out that when we're looking at the RCTs, there's a lot of disagreement about this. And this is why respectful open discourse is so important and why the AFP simply tagging my post with partial misinformation and them just quoting Darius Mazafarian and saying, hey, seed oils are helpful, not harmful, is very dangerous because it quells most of the discussions, which could help a lot of people. So I'll also show Sydney Diet Heart Study right here. Again, Chris Ramsden. This one was republished in 2013. And you can see here that in the results, the intervention group had higher rates of death than controls and higher rates of cardiovascular disease than controls, higher rates of coronary heart disease than controls. Inclusion of these recovered data in an updated meta-analysis of linoleic acid intervention trials showed non-significant trends toward increased risks of death from coronary heart disease and cardiovascular disease, which would make sense when you consider the randomized controlled trials that I showed at the beginning of this podcast, suggesting that oxidized LDL goes up, LP little a goes up, CEPCT gets worse, which is the endothelial marker of vascular function. So you see what we have here is a pretty significant set of data, which needs to be looked at very, very clearly. But I think that for AFP fact check to say that claims that seed oils are harmful or unsupported is patently false, that they're only going to look at Darius Mazafarian's opinion. And as we've seen, his 2009 meta-analysis in PLOS Medicine excluded many important trials like City Diet Heart, Minnesota Coronary Trial, and others, including Diet Leon. And he conflated omega-3s with omega-6s, et cetera. So there's a lot of discussion here that is much more nuanced than that simple AFP fact check article would like you to know, but Instagram is gonna slap it on there and say partial misinformation. So there are a few more claims that I talked about in that reel that I wanna show you guys before I wrap this one up. If you have questions about the amount of canola oil trans fat, you can read this study, a rapid method for the quantification of fatty acids in fats and oils with emphasis on trans fatty acids using Fourier transform near-infrared spectroscopy. Um, basically what it says, and this study has been cited by many on both sides of the aisle regarding seed oils, is again that canola oils generally have 1.9 to 3.6% trans fatty acids. And these trans fatty acids, remember, are different than the trans fatty acids found in animal foods. There is a often quoted blog post from a Harvard doctor saying that animal foods have the same amounts of trans fats. So why would you worry about 1.9 to 3.6% trans fat in canola oil? Well, I think you would worry because the trans fats in animal foods are different than the trans fats in seed oils, and the former have been associated with beneficial outcomes, whereas the latter have clearly been associated with harmful outcomes. I don't even think people who 
believe that seed oils are benign or even helpful for humans would debate that point. For the sake of completeness, I will show the 2009 paper in circulation of which Darius Mazafarian is an author looking at omega-6 fatty acids and risk of cardiovascular disease. On a positive note, this paper is looking at only omega-6s in cardiovascular disease. On a negative note, if you look at this paper, it is fraught with mistruths, misinformation, and misconceptions about the studies I mentioned. Again, this one is from 2009, so it does not take into account the 2013 and 2016 reanalysis of Chris Ramsden's work uh, looking at the City Diet Heart and Minnesota Coronary Trials. And I think those are perhaps the best randomized controlled trials we have. So you guys can look at all of this and make your own judgments. Again, this is all about thinking for yourself and not muzzling any side of the issue. I would never want anyone claiming that seed oils are beneficial for humans to have a misinformation tag on their label. What I would want is for there to be respectful, healthy discourse that is done in a way that the lay public can understand so that people can learn and understand that there is a lot of nuance in these studies. And there is certainly evidence that seed oils are very harmful for humans. There's something we have never eaten evolutionarily. And again, this podcast is just the tip of the iceberg. Please refer back to the podcast I did with Jeff Knobs from Zero Acre and Tucker Goodrich, in which we went into much more detail. That was over two hours, that podcast. And we talked about anthropology, the fact that there are groups in all over the world, like the Simone in Bolivia and other groups who are very healthy until they see seed oils. Again, that doesn't really stand up to published randomized controlled trial evidence, but I think these anthropology natural experiments are also not to be ignored. Hunter-gatherers only really have two to 3% of their calories from linoleic acid. We've never done this. This is a horrible human experiment. And I have fear based on many of the studies I showed you at the beginning of this podcast and many others, which I didn't even have time to show you, that seed oils are the single greatest driver of chronic disease in humans. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but we need to be able to have that conversation and not just have a stamp on there that says, we know this is misinformation, you can't talk about this, we won't promote this anymore. Last but not least, I will share yet another paper from Chris Ramsden, the title is Lowering Dietary Linoleic Acid Reduces Bioactive Metabolites in Humans. That doesn't sound like it's uh, in any way, shape or form uh, mixed. And clearly, ox lambs, oxidative products of linoleic acid metabolism for HNE, things I've talked about with Tucker and Jeff Knobs in the past, are reduced when you eat less linoleic acid. And just in case that wasn't enough to convince you, consider this trial looking at olive oil in place of seed oils, reducing LDL lipoprotein uptake by macrophages and decreasing the susceptibility of the lipoprotein to undergo lipid peroxidation. Tell me again that seed oils are not harmful for humans <laughs> and are not linked to cardiovascular disease, please AFP fact checkers. So in summary, I did a post on Instagram talking about the harms of canola oil, in which I talked about the trans fats in canola oil, in which I talked about the fact that canola oil is from a rapeseed plant, which has been genetically bred to be lower erucic acid. Erucic acid is a harmful thing. And I talked about the fact that canola oil in the processing is subjected to heat and oxidation leading to trans fatty acids, there's hexane in the canola oil, and that seed oils like canola oil are linked and associated and in randomized controlled trials look very bad for many health outcomes, cardiovascular disease being one of them. In this reel, I've talked about why I think this is a very slippery slope, that this was labeled as misinformation. And I guess YouTube doesn't have the same parameters, so I don't imagine this video will be labeled as misinformation on YouTube, but how ironic would it be if it is? But on Instagram it was. and. Interestingly, another video I did talking about seed oils as a driver of macular degeneration based on multiple observational studies which clearly link seed oil consumption with macular degeneration was flagged and taken down on TikTok. I got a strike on TikTok saying that seed oils were linked to blindness in the United States and in the world. Well, macular degeneration happens to be the number one cause of blindness in the world. So we could make a reasonable argument that seed oils could be the main driver of blindness in the world, but that post was taken down from TikTok. So we are in an environment where bucking the norm or talking about things that are outside of the mainstream is not tolerated, and that is very dangerous. I'm not saying I have all the answers. I'm not saying I know everything about seed oils or LDL or lipoproteins or cardiovascular disease. What I am saying is that I hope all of us can stand up for and urge anyone in control of such things to allow us to live in a world where open, free, respectful discourse is king. And we can have differing opinions and we can discuss them so that everyone can learn. Because ultimately, I think that most of the people on the other side of the seed oil debate who believe that seed oils are healthy are probably well-intentioned and just want 
to put information out there that will help us all be healthy. So let's all get together and talk about it in a way that everyone can understand and help people become more healthy. Because as we know, people are continuing to suffer in massive amounts. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I enjoy doing educational stuff at this point in my career. And I hope that that type of discourse will happen in the future. So um, please share this podcast with people if you think this is an important thing, if you're worried about censorship or you want these types of discussions to happen. Um, it looks like uh, my friend Adrian Schuberman is going to host a debate, a friendly, respectful debate between me and um, Simon Hill, who I believe is a plant-based advocate um, on his podcast at some point in the future. So you guys can look forward to that. I imagine we'll talk about seed oils and LDL. We'll probably talk about vegetables and meat some too, which isn't completely germane to today's conversation, but you get the idea. So hopefully this has been helpful. Again, there's a short post on Instagram, which was two minutes long, but look, I just talked for over an hour about all the details of this. So I wanted to do a longer video and I hope you guys are doing well. And I will be back next week for yet another podcast. I think this one will probably be released in January. So it's not too late to join us for Animal Base 30 at Heart and Soil. Just go to animalbase30.com. No seed oils in Animal Base 30. You know that's true. Hope you guys are thriving.